0: Welcome to the Spent the Rent podcast. I am your host, Patty Rose. My guest today is a dear friend, former candidate for Eugene Mayer, and host of the Broken Class podcast, Thomas Huda. Also, uh, a hip-hop artist, goes under the name of Gradient, and we're going to talk a lot today about a new release that you have, a new single. uh, Hell yeah. First single in seven years. You are a multifaceted human being.
1: (laughs) Plenty of facets, man. Plenty of facets, plenty of faucets. You undo the faucet, all the creativity spills out, and you're like trying to put like weird hip hop ideas in a mayoral campaign. People are, like, what are you doing? You're trying to put political ideas in a music song, and then people hit you on Twitter like, oh, your politics aren't perfect. Yeah, so. yeah, you told me that. <laughs> uh, that you it's like, have- I'm not trying to be what other people want my politics to be. You know, I, I'm just trying to express things that I think are wrong
0: on many levels of society, and make dope hip-hop, so... Do you want to talk of the specifics of the tweet? Of the twi- I mean, sure. So, you. So this is funny. So, I went and picked you up for this, and we're... Actually, I want to say this real quick. This is the first in-studio interview that we've had uh, for Spent the Rent podcast since the pandemic. So, we're Lovely. saying 18 feet away from each other. Uh, we're both wearing uh, vinyl bags over <laughs> our head. No, anyway, so on Twitter you got a response a negative you'll call it well, half half it's one of those interesting things where the
1: feedback the criticism you get like it could be 98% positive and you're going to be hyper focused on that 2% right so i'm not i'm not saying this because it's really like eating at me you know i've been really pleased with the reception to my new song but there was one literally one piece of constructive feedback right And so I I released this song called Kung Pao Check-In, and it's like me checking in with my audience and being like, hey, I still make hip-hop, and I've gotten better, and I haven't put anything out really specifically besides features, like my feature on your album, Patty, um, in seven years. So I dropped this song, and I go, you know, basically I say, you know, top four, man, I bet I probably could. Be on the Mount Rushmore, I should. But for now, Kung Pao with the rice, I'm good. You know, and I say that on the chorus. And, uh, you know, I had this line about the Sacklers, who are like these opiate profiteers who lied about whether Oxycontin is addictive and got a bunch of people hooked on opiates and heroin. And so they led their Twitter DM. This is from someone called Semi-Cynic Civil Critic, who I don't know them at all.
0: That's their God-given name.
1: (laughs) It's the government name. And they said, yo, I just heard the new single. Sounds pretty good. I like the line about the Sacklers. Just got to say, though, fuck Mount Rushmore. What are you, a colonialist? Take your own advice and Google a bit about the Six Grandfathers Mountain, the Lakota people, and how big and racist of a middle finger Mount Rushmore is to the indigenous Americans. I didn't think that an Asian man would like to be on a monument whose construction was spearheaded by somebody with heavy ties to the KKK. Yeah. So it was interesting. Yeah. And and the way I responded was like, I don't want to be callous or insensitive to the experiences of indigenous people. So, you know, I don't know this person. I know that one person I know follows them out of Minneapolis. And I said, thanks. Some solid points I'd love to respond to. Who am I speaking with? I see that the homie Guante follows you. And they basically said, oh, I'm just a guy out of grad school for a couple years, lol. I like good music and good politics, preferably at the same time. IDKY Guante follows me back, but I'm sure as shit honored, haha. So it's kind of interesting because, like, I actually think sometimes people you know, a criticism bugs them or eats at them or, or it speaks to them in a certain way, they reach out. And then if you show that you're not going to turn up the fire, you know, and, and show that you are actually kind of like interested in having a dialogue, they're going to back down off of their aggression. A lot of the time, I'm not saying they're really
0: aggressive. No, it's just, it's an interesting thing. And it's, you know, when you put out independent music, any response, you're going to be checking, you know, you know? And so, so, uh, i assume that there's a lot of opinions and whatnot behind the scenes that people hold to themselves because we're independent artists too but sometimes you do find the the critical stuff and you know it's welcomed whatever there's a lot of ways i could respond to that i still haven't responded to the
1: dm because i'm sometimes you you don't respond right away because it shows that i'm keeping a little bit of an arm's length you know right but you know one of the easiest ways i can sort of Tell you my response is going to be that I wasn't saying that Mount Rushmore is a great thing. Right. I was talking about the hip hop Mount Rushmore. I was talking about how other voices actually deserve inclusion, spotlight, memorialism that, you know, I wasn't <laughs> saying yeah, like, it's funny. Hell yeah. Teddy Roosevelt and Thomas Jefferson. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. You know? So
0: at the end of this episode, uh, the listeners, you guys will have a treat to, you know, in, a, in the opportunity to listen to the new single that just hit Spotify and all streaming sites. It's called, like you had said before, Kung Pao Check-In. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. I'm a, I'm a big fan of it, and so I'm excited to be able to share it today. So before we get into your music, we're going to talk a lot about the work that you do under the name Gradient. Mm. And like you had said before, too, you were featured on uh, my last album, my recent album, uh, Begin Again. You were on the song Be You, which is by far the most popular song off the album. Uh, mm. It's got 11 plays on Spotify now. Ooh. So. And 10 of those are me. So one person has really enjoyed it. So um, it's, you know, for sure, it's the the most popular cut from that project. And I think that you absolutely crushed it. And it was an honor to share that track with you. And so anybody that hasn't heard that, I don't know how it was the ending track on my last episode. And you should go check out uh, my album on Spotify under Patty Rose as well. You know, it's an interesting experience I've had before or other
1: artists I've uh, talked with have had where... If you ask someone to be on your record, like a feature, it seems to me like they should just bring the best they can do. I, it's it's kind of confusing to me. Sometimes people will take that potentially feeling honored of like, oh, you would invite me to be on your album. You think my voice can contribute to your overall album. And they just give something that's kind of meh. I don't know. Like I understand people that are really busy and they get reached out to a lot, but I've always felt like if somebody really values my um potential or my artistry enough to include it on their shit give them the best you got
0: I you agree know? there is a lot of variables i think sometimes there will be kind of a experimental element because when you're not the one releasing it so like if you're a feature you're like oh i'm gonna try something different because i mean if it doesn't work i'll just never listen to it again
1: right you know know, so there's
0: that and that creative outlet hey for me personally i embrace that i'm like do you it would be really
1: funny too if you don't want to be reached out to by somebody so you just give them like a freestyle bogus kind of thing and then they hopefully get the message (laughs) Like, all right, dude, I'll do it, but you got to pay me a hundred bucks and you're not going to want this again.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, that was, a re- I really did think that you brought it. It was really good. You and know, that, shout out and to I to the think... homie Sammy warm hands, I sent that to him, you know,
1: you've had him on the show. He's an incredibly hardworking, prolific artist, book author, you know, producer, punk musician, rapper, extraordinaire. And he, you know, he was really he had really high high um, praise for the song and for my appearance on the song, and it felt really good. You know, yeah, so anyway, yeah it was a good because one. Because he's the
0: kind of guy he doesn't bullshit. No, he's a very talented artist, and and he, like you said, he's going to come at you straight. He's going to tell you what he thinks, and I think that's really good. Yeah. So before we get into the music stuff, I want to talk about. Uh, Maybe some of the stuff I might have missed. This is the first episode in a couple weeks, two or three weeks, because I've been in Ireland. Fuck yeah. Which we'll get it. I want to talk about Ireland a little bit, but I want to talk about some of the things that I missed in Eugene. Uh, Namely, first day back, I started hearing about uh, the the traffic jam of 2021. (laughs) So as as the students came back, we're now at the university. We're back to in-person classes. Apparently there was a three and a half hour traffic jam, a standstill. So what, when that, what happened that day? It's a really good question. And this is one of those things where my
1: girlfriend and I, we like to go back and forth about cars and she like, loves cars. She's an enthusiast. I love bicycles and I think cars can be fun, but I don't really like, I'm not a big proponent of them, you know? And so this is one thing I'm like, totally like, Oh Yeah put one on the board for bikes baby. We <laughs> <Yeah>. didn't have <laughs> we could just weave in and out and get up on the sidewalk if it's safe to you and blah blah. So it was a situation where University of Oregon move-in day happened and what I am told
0: is that the delays which the university did apologize for because to the students not to the univ- to, not to the city of Eugene okay. or the, the residents. That's an issue I had with it. But go ah, ahead. Ah, yeah. yeah.
1: Classic townie versus um, school
0: conflict
1: yeah yeah um yeah people were trying to move their um students in so they you had families and like bringing in boxes and you know the typical move-in day stuff and franklin boulevard was way backed up and 13th was way backed up maybe all the way to like willamette um and i guess what they had said was that it was a common it was basically the covid protocols that were slowing
0: down the process um Yeah, they had, from what I understand, they also have the biggest class ever. Yeah, that's true, too. And what what I understood is that there was two computers to process every single person. Oh, no. And so that, and then I think that there's a little bit of an element going on. And and this is what it said in the, I was going to say paper, but no one reads the paper. This is the local news was reporting that. Shout out to Gannett Media for possibly ruining the register guard. Right. (laughs) Is that, you know because there's a lot of shuffling around in labor, in jobs, people have people, university employees were laid off and were like, look, I gotta, I gotta work. So they would shift to maybe a better job or a different position. And, and it's happened across the board. So you have people in all different departments that have now found themselves, uh, in a, in a new position, you know, new employees and whatnot. And what happens is that that means that you have all these people that don't know the tricks and don't know the little shortcuts. And this is just a prime example of why as a if you're running a business, it's really important to cross train everyone. <laughs> you know, because mm. it it I don't know exactly what happened cuz like I said I was gone for one and for two I don't work at the university, but right. it sounds like a disaster. And yeah. I've also heard that concessions
1: lines at Austin Stadium for football games have been out of control. Yeah. yeah. And Even it, though they haven't really packed the stadium, but I'm sure it's likely a staffing issue and when I go to the Ducks-Beavers game in late November, I'm going to eat, like, 12 hot dogs beforehand. Right. Well, you, you have in, to pre-funk. Might,
0: you got to bring in, like, the yeah. clear bags. Right. But
1: I'm going to sneak in, like, three or four or ten hot
0: dogs. You can probably have a hot dog uh, fanny pack. You can that have you a hot can, dog under your armpit. Exactly. Yeah. So, no, and th- I've seen that across the board. I went to Colorado a couple months ago. And just not just the university I'm attacking. It's, it's a societal thing right now that we're seeing. Uh, I was at an IHOP and we go, we, we walk into the IHOP, it was late at night. It was like one o'clock in the morning. It's after my friend's wedding that I was down there or whatever. And uh, the woman was like, oh yeah, we can get you a table, but it's, there's only two people working. It's going to be an hour and a half before, before I get, you can sit down, but we're not going to be able to like take your order for an hour. And I'm like, what? What? And he's like, yeah, no one wants to work anymore. Which right. I, there's so many. We could be here for days. It's not that no <laughs> one wants to work. It's that right. no one. It's the, the the companies don't want to pay an adequate wage, and people are fed up. People are done. Dude, empires collapse
1: when there is too much stratification and wealth between the working classes, the poor, and the and the elite owning classes. And so, you know, I have sympathy for small business owners that say I am really struggling here to price my my food and my goods appropriately to where we can turn a profit and I pay my employees enough and I can try to grow the business or whatever, because ultimately they're kind of all fighting for a smaller piece of the pie. Yeah. You know, and that's if we could pay people a living wage and just basically shift a higher burden of the ta- the the tax base onto <laughs> people that are exorbitantly wealthy and could never even productively spend the Treasures that they have, you know, I'm looking at you, Bezos. Um, maybe we would be able to see a different result. I, I'm i not an economist, um, yeah. but it is it is shitty, man. And, and a lot of the social fabric in the division today has to do with the fact that everybody kind of feels. Everybody feels like opportunities for them and like, let's say, their children are not as prominent as they were for like 10 previous years ago previous yeah. generations yeah there's a lot of valid reason to feel that but it also kind of manifests in this generalized sense of I'm oppressed like I saw this um, statistic again it was it, or it was on a headline on a Facebook article <laughs> you know sure. so we'll preface it with that but it basically said uh, over 80 percent might have been 82 might have been 88 percent of people who identify as Trump supporters feel that white people are oppressed or discriminated against they worry about discrimination against whites um and that's a really interesting um phenomenon right because uh historically i don't know that there's any precedent you can point to and say you know um for for their whiteness uh, our our group of people is being discriminated against. I am sitting across from an Irish person, though, yeah. and so you know the construction of whiteness uh, was not friendly to the Irish immigrants at the turn of the century at all. You guys basically weren't looked at as white, um, and I don't know. I maybe I'm extrapolating
0: too much. Um, well, I think that there's a difference between being discriminated against and being marginalized. Okay, you know because I think that somebody any this has came up recently in conversation with friends in different ways, that, you know, I've heard this theory that you can't discriminate against a white person. Well, you can discriminate against anyone. You know, Mm -hmm. it's if you're if you're targeting them because of what they are, not who they are, whatever shitty actions they make. Right. You know, you can hate someone all you want for their actions. You can't hate them for what they are. But the thing is, I, I think that it's you're not for one, you can't be racist against against a white person. And you can't they're not marginalized i mean that's not there's just no such thing Mm -hmm. as 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 uh you know white people being marginalized now discrimination is a different thing if that's if that's what you're talking about as far as the history of of ireland yeah it was interesting i think that has a lot more to do with class and i'm reading a book i've been talking about this for two years because i i read slow i'm all for a class
1: conscious uh you know, analysis of what's really going on in society. You yeah. know, I, I think it. I think it could work better hand in hand with a, an analysis that understands other identities and marginalization that people experience. But um, yeah, I, it's it's the extent to which we sometimes forget about class in our pursuit of understanding.
0: Other, well, and I think that the Trump. I don't. I, it's hard for me to speak for them, but the Trump supporters. I would I would think that the mindset is that their issue is with victimhood and then they're being hypocrites by trying to play the victim. Okay. You know, so they're so they're like, you know, you bootstraps kind of thing. It's like, Oh, I'm so tired of these people whining that they've had it so rough and it's like when all reality I'm the one that's being targeted. Right. You know you know what I mean? And so it's it's a hypocrisy in the in it that it's like, you know, I mean, when you talk about bootstraps, here's another va- massive hypocrisy, is that states with
1: some of this strongest cultural, um, traditional conservative American ideology are often states that receive the most in federal aid. Yeah, it's a net food. zero. It's a net <laughs> negative as far as revenue, mm-hmm. for sure, for mm-hmm. for
0: tax revenue, yeah, mm-hmm. federally. Kentucky being one. You know, it's interesting sure. that Mitch McConnell runs it all, and in in, I mean, yeah, that's a nightmare. And And, you know... I've sometimes I found myself buying into the argument when they talk about uh, blue states having all these issues like uh, houselessness and whatnot. And it's and it's interesting. You're like, why is it? Mm. You know, you start believing it, but that's so difficult to pinpoint exactly what it is. Because I think that there's high homelessness or houselessness in urban areas. Right. It's kind know. of a city phenomenon. And in those areas where you're going to have uh, diversity, you're going to see, you know, more of an understanding of a difference in culture because it's embraced and celebrated as opposed to kind of more of a, I won't say monolithic, but more of a, of a one culture type society that you might see in a rural community. I mean, there's also, um, yeah, people who are in dire straits are going to convene
1: in places where there's more resources and more, um, public services, right? So it's going to be more likely to be cities. There's also the fact that, um, you know, very liberal places, places with a very progressive um, set of policies are probably less likely to look at as, as a purely punitive and carceral issue. You might have like when I was in Princeton, New Jersey, which is, you know, obviously it's a very blue area, but it's it's very much an elite area as well. Um, I, I visited there in 2011 uh, on a summer program and I was like, oh, there's no unhoused people. There's no homeless people. And, well, why is that? Well, you can think of a lot of reasons, but one of them is because they will come sweep your ass off the street real quick if they see you (laughs) lying down on the street. And that's more of a modus operandi of places that um, probably is very true in, in more red places as well.
0: Well, you know, Eugene Springfield. The two mm-hmm. differences between the way that that's handled. Absolutely, I mean Downtown Springfield. Springfield, yeah. Springfield has panhandling rules. They've got in-town camping rules. Mm-hmm. You can't camp in public parks. You know, and and these are difficult things because there's a lot of reasons that people find themselves homeless. And there's we need to have compassion for people that are right. really truly struggling. But right. unfortunately, that's where my that's where I'm willing to have the conversation about who's who's to blame or how to pinpoint what the problem. is origins not to are be,
1: not to be nitpicky but i think there is a, a lot of reasons but more so there's only a couple reasons and there's a lot of like paths and a lot of life circumstances that lead to it right but like there's really only a couple reasons you know and it's it's just a lack of opportunity or a lack of education or yeah. potentially mental health and substance abuse yeah you know and it's kind of a common experience like a lot of people find community in those spaces where they commune together because right general society doesn't understand them. That like the workforce can be especially hard for people with certain conditions. Um, you know, I'm not trying to be nitpicky about what you said, but you know, as someone who
0: experienced it for about nine months, you know, I, yeah, it no, was, I mean, I'm not, I'm not. Uh, like, like I said, I'm, I have compassion. Like I I truly do. The thing is, is that I do see there's people that have abused, you know, Eugene. I mean, there's situations where I've walked to work before from parking and I've walked four blocks or two and a half blocks or whatever it is. They're Eugene blocks. So they're pretty small. Yeah. And I've passed more feces than I have people rough you know and 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 it's like that's not acceptable i mean and we're talking about in a on campus in an area that's high high traffic i understand if it's you're camping you're in the woods there's not an opportunity it's you know again that issue isn't necessarily i'm not mad at the poor person you know what i mean like there's a whole structure that has put them there and there's that the the thing is is i don't know you were talking about uh opportunity that's where I think we need to change it. It's it's we need to. I think this is something that people could universally get behind. We need to have opportunity for people to have change in their life for the positive. So I've had Pastor Gabe on talking about building tiny homes. But not only does he build tiny homes, he has houseless houseless individuals helping build them, and then they themselves can be the beneficiary of their hard work. So it's right. creating this process of of community and something that they can have ownership over, you know? And I mean, I wouldn't blame somebody too much for being like, you know what, I'm throwing in the towel when no matter what they do, it's like every time you turn around, you're screwed. It's insane how much we have to have money wise to be awake. You know, I mean today with cell phones that you have to have internet, you have to in order to survive. So that's something we didn't have when I was 20, you know, that was required. So Right. More,
1: more just basic daily getting by. Like, you know, use your phone to pay at the counter, use your phone to ride the bus, those kinds of things.
0: I have two kids, stepsons that are 21, almost 21 and 19. And they're moving. They're in the transition. One of them's on his own with a little bit of help from us every once in a while. Mm -hmm. The other one is getting ready to go off to OSU and he'll have to be on his own. And it's pretty much impossible. I remember (laughs) when I was
1: in about first grade. Um, my dad kind of was visiting our Eugene Gokwin Elementary School, rest in peace, because they bulldozed it to the ground a couple couple week, uh, years ago, um, but they're going to build a new one, and um, he basically was concerned, he was like, he came in because he loves PCs, and he came in and he, he goes into the computer lab, and like, all the computers are those clear, blue, transparent, um, plastic iMacs, you know, all iMacs, and he was basically kind of just like, you know, Apple's just doing this thing, it's smart, but... But they're just trying to get in all the schools so all the kids are learning Apple and then Apple eventually kind of like everybody's used to it, so they're gonna have, you know and he didn't really predict to the iPhone specifically. But, you know, nowadays like Apple is just I mean, I see you, you use a PC right there, you have got a Dell, I like Dell as well, but you've also got an iPad right there. So like, you know, it's it's amazing the pervasiveness and the long game that oh, yeah. these tech companies well, are. An playing. Apple
0: Watch, iPhone, oh yeah, iPad, they're all they all communicate. Yeah, I prefer to use a PC computer as far as it goes, but I don't know how long that'll, you know, I don't know. It's really <laughs> about finances. I mean, you're talking right. $400 for a nice laptop, 500 maybe 700 whatever. whatever, right. compared to $2,800. Right. insanity? Right. Like entry levels. And as far you know, as 1, the next iPhone, I'm considering switching, but that's what we could be here for days. So <laughs> I do want to talk about your music. And no, no sure. actually, before that, we were going to talk about something very serious uh, okay. for a few minutes. Uh, the vaccine mandates for public-facing jobs. This is something that we're seeing locally have a huge hit. It's a national thing. Obviously, Joe Biden has made a statement saying that any employer that has over 100, is that correct, 100 employees? I believe so. They're going to require a vaccine. We've seen it. Uh, there's a huge debate on how to word this and whatnot when it comes to the hospital. You know, We've got a lot of issues with our hospital hospitals because there's a strike at McKinsey-Willamette about unfair unfair pay i believe and, right. and whatnot i don't again i've been gone so i don't know the ins and outs of that but i've heard people say well it's kind of a weird time to fire uh hospital employees when you're in a pandemic but right. i personally don't see it that way <laughs> i right. see it as protecting the you know patients
1: it's pretty amazing how um there's multiple um You could even say conflicting, conflicting sides, as your song (laughs) says, factions of like nurses and hospital workers that have all been like protesting (laughs) their institutions. Mackenzie Willamette on the side of these working conditions, this compensation, uh, this is absolutely ridiculous. And it's very, very not sustainable. And it's very traumatizing to be a part of that job. You know, and have to go back into the office after you saw one or two people die, you know, previous, previous day in the past few days. And then you have the other side of things where people who really feel that bodily autonomy and they would say medical freedom are so important to them that um, they will leave their job rather than get a vaccine. Um, And uh, I just don't think fundamentally, and I I try to be sympathetic to everybody's sincere, if you're really coming at it from a a good faith perspective, sincere concern for these issues, I, I... it seems kind of obvious to me that you don't necessarily have the right to work in any field you want that, that, that deals with people that are especially vulnerable like yeah. hospital workers and be able to make entirely earnest. Could you walk in there and not wear gloves no. or have a <laughs> or have
0: a tuberculosis shot? Or have, you know, these measles, you know, mumps, and I'm rubella. not without it's not that I don't have and sympathy. let me jump, jump out right from the top, because in, in case anybody's ears are turning
1: and they're like, OK, I've heard enough of this bullshit. You know, my dad died on August 12th and they traced it Lane County Public Health. Whether you trust the public health agencies or not, they traced it to an employee who showed up and wasn't vaccinated. And they worked specifically with populations that were that were in retirement age you know, gateway living is where my dad lived. And there were five deaths that occurred. My dad was the death that occurred on August 12th. And for some people are going to (laughs) say, I've I've literally heard this say, how do you know that? How do you know that that's how he died? I was, um, okay. So I was there that morning and I saw how terrible of a time he was having breathing. And I came back that afternoon and he was dead and I felt him, felt his skin and it was cold and pale. Like that guy was dead. Okay. (laughs) Like it was really something, you know, and, um, I've never, it's hard for me to process what next steps to take in response to a thing like that. I've been more focused on just like honoring the great work that my dad did in his time on earth and that he did to try to be a great, great parent to my sister and I, um, and a great partner to my mom for a time. And I would say that I haven't thought too much about like, how do I like proceed with that knowledge about the circumstances of his death. Like if it could have been prevented kind of thing. It's like, if I, you know, if, if there's another world or re, another reality where I could actually sit down with this employee and be like, what were you thinking? You know, what led you to the belief that it was, it was okay, you know, to show up to work every day. You know, I don't know if they felt, they even felt sick and kept coming to work,
0: you know, whatever it may have been. Um, but we're unwilling to get vaccinated while working in the medical field. And that's, It's difficult because I've gone, I've gone back and forth with this too. I don't want to be so vicious towards people that are, Oh my gosh, the the second
1: shot. I felt shitty. Sure. You know, like I understand like the concern that like, if you are being compelled, no one likes to do something against their will. You know, if you're being compelled to do something that is going to make you feel like crap or is going to take some kind of a toll on you, I get it. Yeah. You know,
0: but I do want to say thank you for sharing your personal experience, uh, You know, you and I have become really good friends, and you told me, you know, in a text thread about your father and his passing, and uh, we haven't talked a lot about it, and so I do appreciate you sharing that with not only me, but my audience. I've also lost someone that I consider to be family, too, recently. Uh, My partner, her stepfather, John, uh, passed away this week from COVID as well, you know, and it was the aftermath of it, pneumonia, and then... What happened with him is his pancreas shut down, you know, and mm-hmm. thing is, is that they were, he was vaccinated, you know, and it, it, this is what's so scary about this, this pandemic is that people that maybe he was at higher risk and your father was in a retirement home. So mm-hmm. that is kind of a, you know, last chapter type place. But that being said, he was alive. He was living, you know yeah. what, You know what I mean? And And as was John, you know, and so... It's really difficult. I'm trying really hard not to blame anybody because we're all in this together. You right. know you know what I'm saying? And that individual that has to live with, oh, the unvaccinated person. I don't really want to do that. I don't want to be like, you little, this guy did this. Because there's reasons for them to be afraid. You know, and, and be like, I don't want to do this. But Other
1: human beings were subject to constant. Hey, you better be afraid. Right. They're not exactly, <laughs> and they're know? not. I'm not saying. I'm not justifying I'm not even saying them. that most of the the reasons why that person was afraid are legitimate, but they they feel super legitimized. Exactly. exactly. You know? I'm not exactly.
0: I want that to be clear. I'm not trying to say that I agree with their judgment. I'm saying that it's understandable that it could come to that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? That it's something that I can understand that that they would have hesitations. You know. Now, Ireland, 88 percent vaccinated. When I was there and the way that they treat it. The societally, backwards
1: ass, drunken fucking. Yeah. I- you know, that's Irelanders. funny.
0: So the one thing I want, there's a couple things I'd like to say about Ireland. Those Irish? That was incredible. And I thank you so much to anybody listening that followed along with my posts about Ireland. I posted every 10, all 10 days about our kind of chronological experience every day. And we did a lot, a lot of castles, a lot of abbeys which you see just the history and pride in the, the abbeys are cemeteries now basically. And you can see how much pride they have in their generations forever. Now, the thing that was really interesting to me that stuck out the most was when you watch the news in Ireland, the first thing they talk about is climate change. The second thing they talk about is COVID. The third thing they talk about is housing practices and rental situations in Ireland because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And the fourth thing they talk about is climate change. (laughs) Like Mm. climate change was number one and they would say it like all of these issues, including the pandemic will be moot if we don't do anything about climate change, because we will all be dead. And that's a pretty bleak thing, but it wasn't put just that way. It wasn't like our hair's on fire. It was like, we can do this. It was literally like if we think innovatively, you know, and every car on the road is a hybrid. Right. I mean, it, it was interesting. So. I know that's only a small part, but it was just a really My interesting My girlfriend just away. freaking
1: cringed so hard when you said that because she loves sexy, like, really angular-looking, badass cars that look like they have a mean grill on them, like, or a mean front face.
0: Right. And hybrids tend to be more like, hello,
1: I'm a hybrid. Nice and then to meet the Teslas you. that don't I'm even have the grill. Left.
0: <laughs> yeah, the Teslas that don't even have a grill because there's no reason for the...
1: It's know. funny, though. She loves Teslas. She thinks they're a badass. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. love you, babe. Yeah. Um it's really interesting, right? We were talking about it a little bit before, and you basically were like, one takeaway you just generally had was that America's slipping
0: behind or oh, America just really needs to figure certain things out. Yeah. Um, yeah, we just talked about the healthcare industry. Now think about teachers. You yeah. know, it's like these core – you're talking about homelessness or houselessness and the opportunity gap. You know, these are tools – you need in education, It's like first and foremost, and teachers are being pushed to the brink to where they are like, I don't even know. And there's teachers out there that are losing their job too, because they're not getting vaccinated. And my heart does go out to them because at the same time, it's like, we don't want one type of person teaching, teaching our kids. That's not good for anybody because we live in a very divided society for one. And we're not a monolithic thinking society. So right. it's difficult, you know, and I know that in rural communities, I don't know who's going to be teaching those kids, kids people that don't fit the mold, maybe. It just doesn't need to be this fucking political exactly. exercise. Like exactly. when
1: I got the shot, it didn't make me support Biden exactly. more. Exactly. It, it didn't my make father,
0: me more angry at Ron DeSantis or No, anything. no, no. My father <laughs> is extremely conservative yeah. and my father was like, I, you he better get the, the vaccine. Jab, right? Oh, yeah. And he made sure to get the R- mRNA vaccine. You it's know, He amazing. wanted the one that
1: would work. The, one of the biggest understandings, the sympathies I have have for this uh you know this side of the opinion aisle that we're both kind of railing against One of the biggest sympathies i have is yeah big pharma is not my friend (laughs) i'm very concerned with the amount of profits that they're they're gonna rake in and pfizer you know there's been some uh you know i think that they really are on the side of like hey you better get the booster shot now and and you know really urging it because of a profit um profit uh motive um and and you know i i think that there's good regulatory processes in place that can rein that in and say and and that can justify things under science but really one thing that i wish that that people would would kind of like consider is like well look at all your senators in the u.s senate all those republicans that rail against it and rail against the mandates they've got it yeah in there and and not one hospital is overrun by people with side effects or re- re- negative reactions to the vaccine, not one in the whole country, whereas a whole lion's share of many are overrun and having fucking by unvaccinated, you know, spilling out into the hallways and 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 you know, units the people that are specialists in other things that are now having to become COVID uh, kind of specialists uh, because there's so many cases. Well, there's so a many-
0: situation where Biden made a comment where he said, "This isn't about your freedom; it's about." public health and that's going to probably cost him the next election because it's going to be playing on the loop, you know, come next time. But the Biden's point is going to cost himself. the next Sure. Election sure but so there's many so many different ways. But the point yeah. is, the point is, is God, that there is, is
1: reconciliation bill going
0: to yeah, pass, right. bro. But the point but is, it's, it's very true. It's that. very true that, you know, this, I don't want to use those words. It's not about freedom. It's about functioning society if we don't get vaccinated to a higher number, we've been in the fifties for months now, you yeah. know? And so if we don't get that number higher, then we're never going to have a functioning hospital to where you can actually have mental health treated, you know? So all these other issues that people are like, all these homelessness, all these homeless people, Oh, I'm so tired of it. Well, you're doing nothing to help. Right. And, it, and it's a trickle down effect. I know they love that. So it's a, tr- a trickle-down effect. It's like, you don't get the vaccine, what ends up happening is the hospitals are overran, so you can't get your knee surgery, or you can't have, you know, if you're having a, a panic attack and right. you need to talk to somebody, that's not going to necessarily happen smoothly. I mean, there's so many things that are, are impacted by it that actually hurt the individual. You know what's a
1: disconnect? And you just use that word individual. A disconnect that I see between the angriest and most demonizing factions of the right and of the left are that they both, I wish that they wouldn't mistakenly understand the whole other side as being out for themselves. I think there's a lot of the right that actually is community oriented and wants what's best for the community. And there's a lot of the left that wants what's best for their community as well. They see the solutions as being in different ways. They see the government as having a different role in enacting that better future for the collective. But it's so easy for them to, to either find individual cases that demonize or, or see this one really angry looking purple haired feminist on the street or something and say and think that that represents everybody
0: and say. Or defund the police, for example. Mm-hmm. It's like that's not something that most Democrats believe. So that is true. You know, no, it is not. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, an interesting situation. You know, I, I work at United Way. Right. And, um, you know, I believe in a lot of the good work that we do. And um, Chief Skinner at um, Eugene police, uh, he's he he works really hard to try to get his EPD folks um, to donate as much as possible to United Way. And they take pride in the fact that out of the whole city of Eugene, EPD donates more to United Way than any other department. And it's one of those things where, because I'm very, <laughs> very sympathetic to arguments against the police. I really am. And I try to th- view those arguments as being against corruption, which, which isn't, you know, and against, um, you know, some excessive force and violence or a lack and of accountability, a lack of accountability and being a big issue because, and, and I understand the, the appeal of saying that, you know, all cops are complicit in this and it just is a situation where I, I wonder how we can convince enough people that there will be enough of an inclusive, um, movement against those those really corruptive and coercive and, and gross you know things that my family's been a victim of you know that that i've been a victim of on some level as well you know cop <laughs> cop did me pretty dirty in sure, 2019 you about it on the show yeah. you know and so yeah i mean i think the point not to cut you off while also trying to be like okay the individuals that put on that uniform are human beings and i yeah many of them i wish they would leave <laughs> the right. department but but I don't know. It's such an intracted, like, and there's also like gang culture. (laughs) That's really rough, too. You can't, like, you tell people you want to reimagine public safety and they think you're trying to, you're a threat to my livelihood, you know? And so. Right.
0: Well, you know, I think that. that, It's
1: amazing how we were going to talk mostly about music. I know. We'll get there. We're going to get there. And now
0: cops. No, you know, the thing is, is that it's not quantifiable. There's nothing.
1: Can one of the things, thing?
0: acts of heroism, right? That's um, where, I was, gonna, that's where system, I was going.
1: Our system has monopolized acts of heroism for these first responders, and that does not mean that they're not at performing acts of heroism. But there could probably other people that could do it, <laughs> but they
0: don't get the call. And and I'm not saying that. <laughs> no, that's exactly. Let me say this, because that's exactly where I was going to go with it. Is that where we need here we point we point fingers at oh this person did this so that led to this and listen to this and we all do it across the board for and we blame different people. Right. The thing that as a as a collective society that we sometimes forget is the is the positive progress we have made as a culture, as a society, as Americans, you know, and talking about times where it's actually shown. Cause the news has a lot to do with this, where the news is showing negative stories because it's just easier to report when you see tragedy, makes which, more money too. which we're sure. When you see tragedy, you will see people come together. So say, we'll just use like not Katrina, but we'll use another hurricane. You know what I, you know what I mean? Cause Katrina was a nightmare and right. it exposed government failure you know what I mean? And, and those people because of obvious reasons. But we're not getting into that. I've seen situations where people in tragedy will use nine right. eleven, not what led to it. I'm talking about coming together afterwards. Doesn't matter who you are. We're here to help you, save you, do everything we can. I think with this pandemic, there's been a ton of examples of that, of people making tremendous sacrifices, of people doing everything that they can, vaccinated or not. There's people out there that have made humongous sacrifices the wildfires too. wildfires you know people
1: who were previously a week before viciously you know warring with words and sometimes with more than words on the streets saying you know you're a bunch of proud boys you're a bunch of antifa rioters and then the next week they're out there trying to like like in thursday side by side trying to deliver
0: relief supplies to people who have had their homes burned down the problem i have with that with the proud boys and i've said it too yeah. on the podcast and i th- i believe it yeah the problem i have with it is that that is that their intention is to be like we're not this you know it's a pr big, thing <laughs> because i'm sure that the you know the clan probably gave out chicken sandwiches you know so so anyway let's get to music let's talk about this i you love talking chicken sandwiches man I, my chicken album, sandwiches that was the segue my album
1: is all chicken themed
0: yeah the album is
1: called chicken Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to call it for a really long time, but I think I, I it's going to be something a little different. I'm not sure if I'm quite ready to give the
0: title yet. Well, the single is called Kung Pao, and in the video, uh-huh. there's a music video, uh, and I'm going to link it. Actually, I'll link to your YouTube channel for okay. for, for Gradient. It's the top video on my channel. So, yeah. yeah. And, the, and there's a video that was made that's kind of... It's animated lyric video, and yeah. they use... I noticed that some of the letters were Chick Fil A letters. Yes, which is hilarious because yes. you are non-binary. She so let me use my.
1: Yes, thank you. You understand a little where I'm coming from, uh, you know. It's similar to the Mount Rushmore thing where somebody's like, as an Asian man, I'm surprised that you would want to be on the Mount Rushmore, and you know, I'm not. I don't. I'm not a huge fan of Hamilton. But when you reclaim some shit that's been used, uh, that's been weaponized against your community, it's kind of badass because it kind of it's, an, it's empowering. It. Sure, yeah, exactly. absolutely. And
0: I know a lot of gay people and people, you know, are like, "I love Chick Fil A. I don't care. <laughs> it's just too good, you know." And it, and there was this whole thing about making out in the waiting room when you're waiting for your food. Same-sex couples making out in Chick Fil A's waiting room. <laughs> And I think that is amazing because it's not even protest. Like if you're telling someone yeah. that you can't, you can't, you know, there's no public displays of affection in our lobby, you'd be like, yeah. um, well, then I'll just make out in my car. Yeah, you know, you know? no, yeah. I I think it's great, and I think the the song is or really just cool. Grab
1: some ass, you know, of your partner. It's difficult because not it, making
0: out, right? Because in <laughs> hip, in hip hop, uh, one thing that that you have done, I'm trying to get away from hip hop a little bit in my music cre- uh, creation. Yeah, which is great that you brought that kind of bars to, to my, my album because yeah. I still love it. But for me, I'm trying to get away from it. But you really, with this song, you really nailed the tradition of hip-hop where you're like, I'm the best kind of thing. you know. And, and there's
1: a specific reason why. I, I'm kind of interested in making a Kung Pao Explained Um, just as a way to continue posting about the project without being too redundant and just being like, did you listen to this again? Will you listen to this again? But just um, there are some lyrical references that I would like to explain. And then overall, the song was made for a contest. I've entered in two contests, one for Black Thought School of Thought. I'm still waiting to hear back. And another one for Anno Domini Nation has this annual contest called Best Rapper Alive. And they had the fifth one, Best Rapper Alive 5. They basically said, you know, for a small price, buy these twelve beats. You can use them commercially if you want, and submit one of them um, to our contest and we'll pick the top ten and there's certain prizes. And I was a little bummed out. I didn't I didn't win. Um, and I heard some of the other I luckily the top ten that I heard, because it was a lot of people. A lot of people entered from all across the country. Pretty much everyone in the top ten I thought did a did a pretty good job. Pretty nasty on the mic. Pretty good, pretty good spitters, right? A couple of them I was like, I thought I had better bars, but maybe they had a more confident or more masculine, aggressive delivery that, that was suited towards that contest or whatever it might be. Right. And, um, so that was the, the spirit of the song was just that battle in MC energy. Um, and you know, even on the song, I said, Anno Domini five best rapper alive to ever play, to also play the guitar. Fuck it. We're doing it live. And then I put, put on the Bill O'Reilly at the clip at the end, just yeah. we're doing it live. And, um, You know, that's the check-in version of the song. I'm just checking in with my fans. I figured after I didn't win the contest, I was like, this is good enough to make it a single. Send it off to someone who can make a lyric video for me. And she nailed it. Risha Muhammad nailed it. Put it out there. I'm just trying to end the drought. I had something good enough. Why keep it on deck? I've got all this shit on deck ready to roll out. But um, I've been really pleased with the response to it. The album version will be a little different. There's little things I want to tweak, and make sound better. There's little syllables I want to punch out a little bit better. I think that's but then cool. a couple of lyrics that I, that I make different. Yeah, exactly. But that's the album version of Kung Pao. Um, so yeah, dude, I'm fucking hype about it. And um, all the track titles on the album are basically going to be different chicken dishes. Nice. And um, it'll be really interesting to see. Like sometimes it'll be very obvious, like in Kung Pao, like the chorus says Kung Pao. Sometimes it won't. You might not hear the title of the song at all. Right in the song. But you'll be like, okay, I get why that's what that one's called, battered with Butterbeer. like right.
0: <laughs> now, uh, is live performance going to be something that's going to be on the table? or are you kind of? I know that a lot of uh, notable hip hop artists, like Brother Ali, for example, are canceling their tours because we're just not quite there yet. Well, you know? Watsky and a lot of hip hop
1: that on the grind is all indoor clubs. That's exactly it. You know, so that's one of the things where, fuck you, you are, you're inviting the most, <laughs> COVID friendly circumstances right. when you're playing those kinds of shows. There's there's very limited or maybe even no no strong evidence of outdoor spread. So like the amphitheater shows and things like that, I feel a little more comfortable with, but but they're not not on that level, you know, no. these, these And you have up-
0: control over, you know, I've been to a show in Colorado and that was actually in the small window before Delta blew up. Right. But uh, you know, I you're able to social distance very easily. We're gonna right. going to be going to the uh flogging flogging molly Molly, violent fems me first in the gimme 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 show yeah so that'll be really fun and that's gonna be outside but you know there's a new venue and
1: we're actually gonna wear our fucking masks yeah there's a venue i was pissed i went to a fucking amphitheater show in bend with haley and it was it was sublime with rome and dirty heads and it was just amazing how much people didn't care about putting on masks
0: yeah it was wild it makes it easier there's a
1: real tipping point element of it like like 40% 40% of people could intend to wear their mask at the show, but there's a 60 that is not going to do it at all. So that right. 40 shrinks to 15%. Sure. Because you don't want to look like a dweeb or you don't want to look like people project their idea of like you, you wear a mask and people think you're condescending to them. You know, it's not the case. It shouldn't be that perspective. And the other thing That's could be true as it. well. There could be only a 40% that, that doesn't really want to wear the mask. But if they see that, 60 65 70% are wearing their masks.
0: They might they I don't know. There's some I actually do it to be I do just, it, I do it to be condescending. <laughs> that's why I wear the the mask. Right. No, no, no. I mean I it, it is what it is. Obviously like well, I said, I'm going
1: to do a meet and greet with Tech 9 and I'm told that we're going to have to be masked and that's I think that's cool. I think it's a a relic of our current society and understanding that we're all part of this situation and not trying to just exempt ourselves from
0: it well some hope is that (laughs) we have some statistics are showing that we might have reached the peak at least with the delta variant
1: yeah delta hit other countries pretty quick and then it hit really
0: hard and then subsided so that what that means is that if we've turned the corner what that means is that these next couple months weeks to months could be really still very deadly You Mm -hmm. know, and I don't want people to think that by by me saying this, that that means that we're in the clear. No, that means that we're starting to see less hospitalization slowly. Like it was worse. You know, it got worse and then it's starting to get better again. Well, you asked
1: me about whether live performance is going to be part of the release of my album. I I, am intending to release the album in late November. I don't have anything like on the books as far as a show, a release party or anything. Um, I'll do some kind of event probably at launch, like a, like, like a live stream or something. Um, but it is something I'm really passionate about. Right. Part of why I feel, um, like after so much time since what March, 2020, like of like shows being gone, um, I've been ready to try to support again is because it's not a given that these venues and these artists are going to be able to survive you no, know there's been a sure. massive transfer of wealth to the people that are already the most wealthy and the corporate owners of the society
0: that like Billie Eilish she seems to be doing okay <laughs> Billie Eilish yeah <laughs> no, I don't know I'm just messing around oh but my gosh what an interesting person she's blown up during the time is what I'm saying like it's she's true. gotten huge during this it's and true. she's it, it, I, and she I'm not knocking her at all just, I'm just, I'm just, yeah <laughs> right No,
1: she's really talented um, anyway Um, but so I, I was telling you about physical media and thinking about what I want to do with my album. And, you know, in some ways I'm, I'm, I'm really interested because when I put this album out, I want it to be something I can move past quickly and say, it wasn't perfect, but I put it out. I loved how much growth it represented. I loved that I engineered and mixed and mastered it myself, you know, which I, I didn't do on my previous album. I had Sam take care of that and he did a good job but i've grown my my voice is better my my lyricism my my singing all of it is better nowadays than it was 7 years ago so i'm really excited to put it out but i also want to be like this is just the beginning y'all like i'm going to p- be trying to release some shit every year and um so i'm really excited about it and i was kind of thinking at first i wasn't going to put it on cd but i don't know like it's it's so much better than anything i've ever done and i've got i everything else well my born for this mixtape i didn't put on any kind of a cd but but uh, I, th- I put previous things on a CD, and um, also bulk discounts are so huge when it comes to printing physical media. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, a run of two hundred would be cool, but like, if you pay, if you increase the like, you pay like two point five times more, and you get a thousand. You know yeah. what I mean? Like so, uh, or two times. You know, so, um, and really good packaging. So yeah, I'm really excited. I went to Atomic Disc online. I went to them for Ambition. In 2014, and I, I just, part of it is a quality control effort on my part, but I'm like, fuck it, I paid for it, I paid for my 1,000 discs, and they're replicated, which is a little bit doper than duplicated, and they've got six panel uh, digipack light, and it's gonna be a badass package, nice. and I'm really excited for it, and I'm, I'm designing it, graphic designing it, um, which is really fun, and um, it's gonna be really exciting, and and honestly, I think like I could have done 500 for about, it was this thing where like. I could have done five hundred for seven hundred bucks, or I could have done a thousand for eight sixty. Right. So hundred sixty more, and you get twice the amount yeah, of product. That's, that's yeah. It's and really that's a good hard number. Not. I mean, a thousand CDs is going to be- allow me to do a lot of cool stuff. Like I can go to like venues and like try to slang them for really cheap outside the venues. I can possibly send little promo packages to like record labels, like of all sizes. So I really, really look forward to just trying to. It's, it's part of establishing yourself as credible, you know, have this good packaging, have a product that is worth listening to. Um, and I know we're trying to wrap up and I know we might have had a recording issue there. for Yeah, just a second. I just
0: had some issues on the technicals. But yeah, so thank you so much for doing this. Thomas Yuta, a.k.a. Gradient. Uh, I really encourage anybody listening to go check out your socials. Uh, they'll be linked in the show notes and the YouTube channel. The music video is awesome. And so, yeah, we're going to get out of here. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for letting me uh put more shit in your audience's ear holes. I love it. Right, and thank you all for for tuning in after my little three week hiatus. I had a great time in Ireland, and thank you all for checking out all the the you know the posts and the pictures and whatnot. We had a great time. So this is Thomas Huda, aka Gradient, with the ah. song Kung Pao Check In. Grab the fucking mic, firmly grasping
1: it tight Kill the other silly spitters every track that I write I hit you where it hurts like a catheter, might. Ooh, you couldn't even imagine my life you slower like you're smoking on some hash in a pipe I'm bumping early Weezer, leaning back on a flight Blue and green like the planet we could crash in a night Me and the flight attendants leave without a scratch or a slight Blemish, I'm vintage up in the shit I beard by the villains at 27 I'm pushing to be a hero a million. so when I'm coming for the votes I'm Dennis Kucinich and I'll be sunning all these folks Tell them finish your spinach, I'm in it to win it Took a break to finish some business I got a scholarship to get a doctorate in a minute That's no cap, only cap and gown shit when I get it Now I'm a enderburn Without even rhyme, tell Hollywood, I'm Kung Pao good, top four, man, I bet I probably could be on the Mount Rushmore. I should, but for now, Kung Pao with my rice, I'm good. Tell Hollywood, I'm Kung Pao good, top four, man, I bet I probably could be on the Mount Rushmore. I should, but for now, Kung Pao. We're some good. I'd have heard so many people tell me I could blow up. I gotta wonder whether I'm a human being or a can see C4 up at the kerosene store. on never carry tiki torches when a candle seems more uh, appropriate to be Taking we'll take a note of how dopey is Rhyme schemes copious Vizine loki If I'm high, grass type this They fly, I'm a tropious. Sicker than the Sacklers When they lied about the opiates Unapologetically The kind you gotta look up Google in your pocket But your knowledge base shook up Cause all the hate took up The bandwidth, man When you did your research You ain't open one book up So I bet that you never saw anything like this Multi-talented, I'm bringing the raw along with the righteous And Odomity 5, best rapper alive To also play the guitar, fuck it, we're doing it live Tell Hollywood, I'm Kung Pao good Top 4, man, I bet I probably could Be on the Mount Rushmore, I should But for now, Kung Pao, with my rice, I'm good Tell Hollywood, I'm Kung Pao good Top four man, I bet I probably could be on the Mount Rushmore. I should, but for now come pound movie night some good. There's no words there to play us out. What does that mean to play us out? We'll do it live! Fuck it!
0: Do it live! I'll write it and we'll do it live! Fucking thing sucks!